Welcome to the Kingstonist Podcast, a daily look at news, sports, and all things Kingston. Brought to you by Taylor Audubon. When you buy a certified pre-owned from Taylor Automall, it means you have the backing of Canada's number one pre-owned sales brand. It also means that with your purchase, your vehicle will go through a rigorous 150 plus point inspection, comes with manufacturer's warranty, has 24 hour roadside assistance, and comes with a one-time exchange privilege. We have over 80 certified pre-owned on our lot right now. All makes, all models, anything you need. Certified pre-owned vehicles and Taylor Automall, above and beyond industry standards. Welcome to 15 Minutes With. I'm with uh, Blake McGinnis, who's got, uh, uh, first of all, uh, uh, 15 Minutes With is brought to you by the Taylor Automall. And I'm with Blake McGinnis, uh, who I think has a very compelling story. Blake, um, you are a natural entrepreneur. I am. And um, you are uh, somebody that uh, refurbishes classic cars, yep. and, and um, amongst other things. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I know it's, uh, you've had quite a journey in reading your article. Uh, you and I've had similar life journeys. Uh, you lost your father very young. Yep. I did as well, and um, and and lost a close friend. I've been been I've been there with you, buddy. I, I know exactly what you're going through. But you use that as motivation and and as a getting into doing entrepreneurial things was is uh, was a way of uh, you dealing with the uh, stuff stuff that life uh, threw at you. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That was like the whole social media thing and everything I do there started with my cousin and I making videos Mm -hmm. and that's like we did so many videos and they were just you know dumb little skits right like a couple minutes at a time with some bad editing and effects but that you know that was fun for us right and of course we at the time we all wanted to become like you know like Smosh and like the bigger YouTube channels back in like 2000 oh geez 2009 oh way back then 2010 11 somewhere in there and uh we wanted to obviously make it big but we weren't doing it for that you know we were just doing it like we get 100 views and be like oh my god you know like we like this is fantastic and uh after my cousin passed away i sort of stopped the social media stuff um not even really i just didn't feel the same about it anymore sure and uh, just it just wasn't the same to carry on really without him and then once i started getting more and more into the cars i started to grow a car following on instagram and that turned into something so much bigger and you got and to say you have a following is an understatement like you've you've got yeah. uh, uh, tell us how many followers we, you have on instagram uh, i have about 170,000 followers yeah. reaching 2 to 3 million people a week with certain photos reaching you know half a million people alone uh, it, it, it's been awesome you know it's awesome to see the support and you know like i just posted a video uh, yesterday, not yesterday, two days ago of me, just like a little, like eight minute update video of just stuff happening in my life. Got like 25,000 yeah, yeah. views Wow! and the support of people was so amazing. Like I had never seen it before on those accounts, but people commenting being like, you're doing great, right? Like just keep up the work, you know, like it's, it was awesome. It was fantastic to see. And it's been growing. Like, I think we grew like 60,000 followers alone last year. And I've been doing this now for about two years, so we're growing fast. And now, before you got into cars, you were just telling me that you were you you used to build gaming computers. Yes. Yeah. 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 I. Uh, that's. How old were you of, when you started doing that? Oh, um, eleven. <laughs> about I, I think from like eleven to thirteen or eleven to fourteen, I built gaming computers, like high end gaming computers for people. I built myself like a thirty six hundred dollar computer. It was the last computer I ever built, 
And like I told you, I sold that like a month later yeah. because I just didn't use it enough and I was done with my money. Um, but no, I, I uh, friends hired me to build their computers, right? And I helped people, other people build their computers. And I also set up like Wi-Fi networks and stuff like that. Uh, but when you were 11 years old. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. kind of how I got started making a little bit of money on the side. I was riding my bike when I was 11. <laughs> yeah, I never even, you know, like I, I didn't even like learn to ride a bike till I was like 12 years old. So I had to occupy my time with other stuff. And then have you always had an interest in cars? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I, I, I grew up in Sydney and uh, my dad's best friend owned a construction company, but his construction yard was just basically like a big junkyard. So we were always down there, always around junk and machinery and old cars and, you know, just four wheelers and stuff, right? Like average kind of country Sydney stuff. And uh, that sounds kind of weird, but, you know, no, like a lot of people yeah. have that experience yeah. out there, right? Absolutely. And uh, it's not weird at all. It's I didn't really follow up on the car thing. Like my dad passed away. We moved into town and I kind of. Like, of course, I, I keep liking cars, but I never really pursued them in any way. Like, I'd see a car driving down the road and be like, man, that's a nice car. Um, but never really care to continue with it until yeah, later years. Because it's it's the kind of thing, when I think of people that refurbish cars, I think of, uh, you know, stuff you see on TV. Uh, yeah. you're, and I know you're on TV, but <laughs> stuff I have seen on TV in the yeah. past, it's usually an older demographic. It's usually older well, guys that are... Yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the entire point of the show that we're working on right now, Millennial Muscle, is to get the younger generations interested in classic cars so we can keep that whole hobby and market alive um because that classic car market is slowly dying because younger people aren't getting interested and aren't buying and i think younger people would be intimidated by getting into something like that because oh, i'm sure it's very capital intense and yep. and uh guys just go, oh, no i can't do that right so hey, well, you're gonna be thing. show people the way oh well and that's it and you know like the whole show and all that and all the social media stuff that i'm about to roll out too is all gonna be like one big learning experience you know like i don't want to just show people myself doing it i want to show people how to do it and teach people how they can get into it too or you know like even i've bought cars expensive as fourteen thousand dollars i've bought cars as cheap as three hundred dollars you know like you can get into the industry fairly easily you just got to know where to find find the cars. the cars and that's what i want to show as well our our scrap yards uh our, our auto auto part yard auto yards like uh, um, is, is that a big source of finding uh, car bodies or, um, or, or more parts for engines? More parts. Scrapyards are more for parts. Some scrapyards, so like places like Kimco and whatnot, as soon as that car enters the yard, it has the title is salvaged and there's no chance of it really being on the road yes, again. that's right. But some yards, like there's Stevens Auto Wreckers uh, up in like Stittsville, they have a like a kilometer's worth of classic cars and if you want to go in there and buy a whole car, you can. Like, they'll sell it to you. Uh, so scrapyards sometimes, if you can find the right one, are a good spot to find these cars. But usually if they're in there, they're in there for a reason, right? So they're either rusted, wrecked, whatever. Um, what I mostly do is I, I spend a lot of weekends, like, touring back roads, you know, just old country okay. roads, dirt roads. And if I see a car sitting in someone's field or someone's driveway, I stop, knock on the door. Now, sometimes they're nice. They want to talk to you about it. And maybe it's even for sale. Other times I've had people come to the door with shotguns, dogs. They're saying, just get off my property. I know right. what you're asking for. I'm like, okay, all right, never mind, never mind. But uh, yeah, so I I have never even bought a car off Kijiji or off Facebook. I always let the cars come to me. So I either find them myself out in the wilderness yeah. or I let people contact me directly through ads and whatnot because that's where the best deals are. What do you what do you consider a classic car? Is it, is it a certain age or? Um, 
Is mm. it because of car they didn't ma manufacture a lot of them? Would that be? Yeah, more or less. Like usually, at least by like actual like Ontario standards, a classic car is anything like twenty years or older. Okay. But in my mind, classic to me is kind of like nineteen, like eighty and back. Um, like I own an '87 Firebird, and that is still technically a classic. But to me, you know, like the only cars in the late '70s that were actually, in my opinion, at least any good, were like the '77, '78 Trans Ams, like you know, the Bandit Trans Am. Yep. Um, so you know, between '77 and '80 are probably my cap for cars. Now you mentioned to me that you had you refurbished a '67 Bel Air or '66 Bel Air. Um, I, I have a, I have uh, the. Bel Air I owned was a 62. Okay. And I, I didn't even really get a whole lot of work done on that. I bought it out of a, a storage yard, like a Martin storage yard. I, I got a storage unit in there and it was sitting against the fence with a for sale oh. sign. And I called the guy and he wanted $500. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So I went and met him and he ended up taking $300 because he just, he didn't care. He'd been yeah. sitting there for seven years. Uh, <coughs> I, I cleaned it up uh, at home and I didn't own it for a month before it was pretty much back up for sale and i sold it for 1750 to a guy in london yeah and it didn't run like it was a pretty gutted you know car but it was a nice project and ultimately he bought it just for the front end to fix his car and he put it back up on kijiji but uh that was but that's just a good example of you know a solid flip you know like yeah. that's 300 in a 1750 you know like and i could have done it faster if i wanted but every car i buy i never intend to sell you know, like I buy one because I either feel bad for the situation it's in or, you know, what have you, um, mostly just to save the car. And then either the right offer comes along or I get bored of it. So I pass along the next person or. Now, do you, know. you have you done many cars where you like you take it out of the scrapyard and then you put it back into showroom type condition? I've only really done one full restoration. Uh, that was my that was my 67 Caprice. Um, the show Supernatural. Yep. It's the car they drive in the show. So I built that car as a clone to the one they drive in the show. Um, cause that's my favorite show of all time. And it will one of, <coughs> and, uh, it's that car. I paid a lot for it because they're so rare. Like I paid a lot for it. Um, but it still needed like eight months worth of restoration. So it has, since I bought it, it's had patches in the floor. It's had brand new paint, brand new interior, uh, some mechanical stuff, new drive shaft, new transmission. Like it, that was a, almost full restoration. Okay. And do you do body work as well? I do not handle body and paint, at least not yet. Eventually I would like to learn that skill, but I mostly just like to focus my time at actually finding the cars and mechanical and interior. Um, but at, currently no body and paint is not my thing. I have to outsource for that. So you're, you're talking about uh 67 Trans Ams. Yep. Uh, how hard is it to find parts for a car that old? Um, it depends on the car and it depends on the company. Were they mass, were Trans Ams mass produced <laughs> yeah. that, that early? Trans Ams were uh, produced. So the, the ones that you can mostly find the parts for are the 77 and 78s because those are the bandit, yeah. you know, Trans Ams. Um, there, was, there were a lot of them made. Um, I don't even know the, I don't know the exact number, but there were a lot made. So it's easy to find parts for, but especially... People get lucky because if you're restoring a 77 or 78 Trans Am, but you're not doing a Bandit clone, like you just want to restore it to, you know, have it. Um, there are so many like Facebook pages and whatnot out there for Bandit clones and Bandit parts that you can join just to find parts for your own car, um, which I also got lucky too, like with 
there were so many supernatural groups that I could join and ask for pirates sure. and whatnot. So that was easy for me to find pirates. So you've got a whole community of people you just oh, yeah. trade like, with. I think on Facebook, I'm part of like 150 different car groups, wow. either for full cars, parts, you know, everything, you know, all over the world. Yeah. And so you were mentioning you've got the, you've done a pilot for a television show yep. uh, and you're hoping to get it picked up. Yeah. Um, so I am signed to Mayhem Entertainment. They're an entertainment company. It's a newer entertainment company uh, out in BC. And I've been talking with them for like two years now. Uh, we came together and formed this idea of Millennial Muscle, which I explained earlier. Yeah. And we have filmed like the sizzle reel for the networks and the pilot episode. Uh, we're hoping to pick up filming again in the next few weeks, you know, maybe a couple months while it's still warm, but we're hoping by the end of the year, at least I am hoping by the end of 2019 to see it on TV. And what does the show entail? Um, the show is all about myself and my crew, which is, uh, one of my best friends, Logan Repath, my girlfriend, Cassie Shaver, uh, kind of traveling all over Canada and more or less North America, searching for kind of the rarest of the rare classic cars. So it's like, it's like a barn find type show. Oh, cool. But we're also going to do some other stuff like, you know, like some restoration stuff. And a thing that wasn't mentioned in the article before that I kind of have been formulating over the last few weeks is I am actually now about to start the process to go through to become OMVIC certified and get my used dealer license because I'd like to open up a dealership here in Kingston, um, my own little dealership, which would actually make me the youngest dealership owner in Kingston history. Would it ever, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be a fantastic process. But the show will actually probably be more based around that dealership now because it's going to have a shop and it's going to be, you know, we're going to be moving in a lot of do, rare cars. And Do you have a location yet that you can tell us about? Or not yet. I'm, okay. I, the thing is, if, if I had one, I would tell you, but I, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking right now and I've inquired about a couple rental properties at least to start. Um, but so far, nothing. Yeah. Well, um, we'll follow up with you when you, yeah. but, but uh, the, the whole dealership is just going to specialize in classic cars and exotic cars. Only those two. And then eventually I'd like to move into like vintage motorcycle sales and stuff like that. But just to start classic cars and exotics. Have you have you restored a motorcycle before? No, I have not. And do you know much about them yet? Or No, I'm, it, I'm not a huge motorcycle person. Yeah. I mean, like, of course, like I like the look of them, right? Like, you know, like and everyone like loves motorcycles, right? Even if they don't know a lot about them. Um, but I would like to get into vintage motorcycles and whatnot. You know, it's, uh, it's just, it, they're cool, you know, especially the vintage ones are, you know, they're, they're exciting, you know. They're it fits my niche. Sure. So you were telling me about a Buick that you uh, you you had in yep. uh, an early '70s Buick. Yeah, I had a '70 Buick Riviera. It, it came out of California. They're a great. I mean, I think uh, my uh, doctor Smyrta, who was a, a great, very popular doctor in Kingston, on part of the Kingston Canadians, had a Riviera. Yep. Great car. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're fantastic. Um, this one came out of California. It was actually. In, in California, it was seized in a police raid oh, really? and then sold at auction. And then a friend of mine bought it and I bought it from him. Um, super solid car. It The thing about that is it was one of my hardest sales ever. It might have been one of my most solid cars ever. You know, like had great paint, nice interior, ran and drove, right? Like it was pretty much a daily driver as it sat. But people don't like the 70 Rivieras. They like either the years before that or the years just after that but this That's the weird back window yeah, right? yeah yeah the boat tail was the yeah. 71 and 72 so okay. this one was the awkward one right before that it was a standalone year one year only body style Buick was just trying something and it obviously didn't work uh but it took a long time to sell that car and it, i expected it to sell fairly fast and i had to come down like 2500 dollars on the price just wow. to sell it so a one-year car 
yep. uh, the, the only manu manu manufacturer for a year, mm -hmm. that would, you'd be very hard pressed to get parts. Yes, for it. The, yeah. that one was. Luckily, I didn't need many parts, <clears> but for what I was trying to find, it was almost impossible. And I would not like to fully restore one of those cars because I feel like it would be next to impossible to find everything you need. Wow. Which it might be. Then you come into modifying parts from other years to fit that car, right? And then that makes it not original or might make it look different or. So you're an entrepreneur, yep. uh, and uh, so you must have other projects in mind. Oh yeah. Um, well, besides the little dealership that I'd like to open, yep. um, which I've always wanted to do, right? But I'm finally going through to do it. Um, and the show, social media has been my main. Uh, you know, it, it's been my favorite thing for the last couple of years. What's your What's your favorite platform on social um, media? Instagram. Okay, that's where my main following is. Um, I, it used to be YouTube, then it moved to Instagram. Um, then Are we're you a Twitter guy at all? No, okay. I, I'm not a Twitter fan. I don't know. I can never get into it. Like a, a few years ago, I used it, you know, more, yep. but not recently. Um, but we're along with the social media stuff. I'm hoping to launch an entire clothing line to go along with all the social media and the show. Um, so, you know, hoodies, you know, sw uh, other sweaters, shirts, hats, stuff like that. Um, yeah, an entire clothing line that's all like classic automotive related. Um, which we're hoping to launch soon. Uh, I would have liked to launch it a while ago, but it's just finding the right people to work sure. with and you know the right designs. That's a tough business. Buy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're not trying to make it like a, like a full on like clothing brand. You know, it's just for the fans to buy stuff, right? And then once the show actually comes out on television, we expect to sell a lot more than we would just online, right? Uh, but I'm also hoping to focus more on producing quality YouTube videos, like not just little skits, but I want to produce like full on, like almost online exclusive episodes uh, regarding cars or regarding, well, uh, kind of everything. everything, like, like cars specifically, at least to get the viewership up. But there's mm -hmm. a lot of videos I want to film that aren't car related, you know, but they're more opinion pieces. Like I have a lot of things that I'd like to get off my mind, like how I feel about, uh, car dealerships, like especially franchise car dealerships and you know, how I feel about other things like that. Um, but that was, it's something that I'm hoping to implement in the next couple months after I get up a little bit of viewership on YouTube, yep. but uh, it's hard getting people to go from one platform to another. So it'll take some time to actually build it up. <laughs> well, we wish you the best of luck and uh, Blake, you've got an incredible story and, and um, we're, we're going to have you in again. We'll, we'll follow your progress. And uh, Great. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's remarkable that, uh, uh, somebody your age is you know, starting well, when you did you. Uh, to be an entrepreneur. It takes well, a lot of guts. That's, you know, like that's, I've always, you know, after my dad passed away, I had to grow up really fast. Right. So that yeah, I, that I attribute, you know, a lot of my now success to having to grow up fast. Well, through a lot of um, negative things come a lot of positives. Exactly. You so know, I, I've, that's, that's always, it. it's always how I've, yeah. I've just tried to find the silver lining and everything and yeah. ran with it. Right. So well, uh, you're going to be very successful. You are, you are successful already. And I know you're going to be very successful and we'll we'll have you back thank you blake mcginnis thank you very much for joining us and cassie is here as well so uh <laughs> cassie has an exam on on my a math exam on monday I, yes i uh i don't i don't envy you <laughs> good luck <laughs>